Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show presented by The Big Lead. My conversation today is with Adam Chernoff. He writes for Covers.com, covering football, gambling, all that good stuff. He has a daily podcast called The Simple Handicap. We talked about the state of the NFL right now, fallout from the Antonio Brown situation, how there's been a ton of dramatic movement in terms of Super Bowl odds this year, how this season has been unexpected and unpredictable in terms of who's going to be out on the field, the challenge that's presented for odds makers and the public alike. We're going to get to that in a minute, but first I just want to quickly weigh in on the report from the Athletics' Bruce Feldman yesterday that had Jim Harbaugh considering making the jump back to the NFL after guiding Michigan to the college football playoff this year. I got to say, this is a storyline that's been in existence ever since Ann Arbor lured its favored son back into town in 2015. Every once in a while it crops up. And being here locally, largely... We're going to approach that with the sense of, okay, well, when hell freezes over, because if you listen to my thoughts on Harbaugh and my latest podcast about him or read anything that I've written about him in the site for the last six years, it's essentially the same situation right now. He has a lifetime contract at Michigan if he wants it. They love him there. Finally, the success on the field is matching the expectations. Yes, they came up short against Georgia, but they beat Ohio State and the future is unreasonably bright. So I am not going to lose my mind over this, but what I am going to say is let's envision a world in which hell does freeze over and Harbaugh decides whether it be he's not happy with the pay cut that he took retroactively, he sees the money that James Franklin got at Penn State, that Mel Tucker got at Michigan State, He's surveyed the landscape and seen that salaries for coaches have skyrocketed and he wants in on some of that action. I think that this story got out there because he wants to increase his own leveraging position, revisit his number. And it's weird with him too, because it's not all about money. We know that because of his charitable donations of a portion of his proceeds. There is a lot going on there. I will say that the team that was mentioned by Feldman that does make the most sense is the Las Vegas Raiders. Harbaugh started his coaching career back there in 2003. It would be a return to form. Obviously, Mark Davis is not afraid of taking a big swing. In fact, he rather likes it. The interim has done wonderfully there. Las Vegas has a win and get in matchup against the Chargers this weekend. But I think that a splashy hire, some continuity, it's tough to exist in the Vegas market without trying to put on a show. Jim Harbaugh is a show. Derek Carr is a quarterback in which he could see himself reflected. I don't think it's the craziest thing to at least consider. And if he were to go to the NFL, that is far and away the number one spot. The only other place I think that would make sense for him is the Chicago Bears. Now, Harbaugh played there from 1987 to 1993. He is, at his core, a Midwest guy. Yes, he had the most success out at Stanford, 
out at San Francisco, but he loves Michigan. He loves this era. He has a history with that franchise. And I think that that franchise, what they want to be is the Michigan of the NFL. They want to run the football. They want to play outside. They want to be gritty. They want to be hard-nosed. The existence of Justin Fields provides an opportunity for Harbaugh to mold a quarterback. Finally, finally got some success this year with McNamara. Uh, His status as a quarterback whisperer had been called into question, but he is a guy who loves developing that position, loves focusing on that position. I think between the ears, his ability to connect with players is extremely valuable. Fields presents an opportunity to turn someone into a superstar. And with Aaron Rodgers not long for the division, it would be an advantageous place for him to be. We see that the Vikings are a mess. I don't need to tell you about the Detroit Lions. We shouldn't even mention them. I don't know why they get on the show so much. I I say I don't care about the Lions, and yet here I am each and every single week talking about the Lions. So it's going to take hell freezing over in order for Harbaugh to go to the NFL. But in the case that it does, and we all saw the Adam McKay movie, so who knows what's possible out there. Look for Las Vegas or Chicago. And if it happens, woo-wee, that's going to be a wild media story. And I pray for my Wolverines friends in the area because they are going to need at least a week off of work and uh, maybe some professional help because they will feel all kinds of jilted after finally reaping the fruits of that labor that Harbaugh has been putting in for several years amidst a lot of criticism. All right, after this break, you're going to hear my conversation with Adam Chernoff, a deep dive into the NFL. NFL is king. Blindsided, a new podcast from our friends at the Players Tribune, is about sports, mental health, and life. Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, the podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper. It gets clinical and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a sports podcast not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. That's Blindsided from Players Tribune. As we welcome in Adam Chernoff, he's a writer for Covers.com. He has a daily podcast called The Simple Handicap. And Adam, what a week it was in the NFL, capped by Antonio Brown going full meltdown mode in New Jersey, kind of setting up a situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they're going to have to find a way to replicate some of that production without him on the field. What were your thoughts as the incident kind of was happening. And then as we turn to what does this mean for the Buccaneers on the field as they go forward, he was a very important part of the Super Bowl winning team last year. He does things on the field, even at his age, even with all the baggage that he brings in terms of route running, that's tough to replace on a moment's notice. So what was your reaction when you saw it happening? And what do you think it means for the Buccaneers long-term as they start to prepare for another playoff run? So I've got a betting angle as a bookmaker and as a better, but I think there's also just like a angle to talk about just as like humans within this that I'll get out of the way. We saw like, for example, two bad head injuries 
Parham with the Chargers. And then we also saw Bridgewater with the Broncos. And like, as soon as it happened, there's like a football culture. We're like, oh my God, this is terrible. We all felt it. And then we see clearly a mental health slash head CTE situation that's been brewing since the hit he took with the Bengals for Antonio Brown. And like, it got treated in a very different manner. And so I think we're, we're at like the age now where we're, we're seeing that and we're like, there's something not right here with that behavior, which was kind of like sad to see. And then also like how it was treated and the fallout of that. And so I think with that out of the way, that was like my first reaction, but now as a better and a former bookmaker, uh, to me, the, it's a bigger question about the Bucks offense as a whole. Like Brown was their fourth most productive receiver. Um, he was a big piece playing off of Evans, playing off of Godwin, and giving them that third option that they desperately needed. But now not only with him out of the picture, but you remove Godwin from the picture, who's now on IR. You take out Leonard Fournette, who's still on IR, that could come back in the playoffs. You have issues with Jones and Vaughn, and you have Evans playing at 70% at best with the hamstring injury. This was an offense that led the league in passing touchdowns, passing production, and now all of a sudden you take these names out. You're looking at wide receivers one, two, and three out of the equation. This is a big hit to a Bucks offense that was really generating the prices they were in the betting market because of their offensive production. You take that away and it starts to look very different for a team that's priced at the top of the market. Yeah, it's uh, it's an old maxim that you don't get rich betting against Tom Brady. That's proven to be wrong time and time again. And I think you've kind of seen that number against the Panthers this weekend is down to 9.5. I think when we did our last podcast, I'm not sure what it's at right now. But to me, that seemed shockingly low because the Panthers are a team that is in free fall right now, is struggling to score yeah. points. Have you kind of seen the public and the bookmakers, do you think that they're going to overreact to this in the short term? And do you think it might be an opportunity to get value, uh, not just this weekend against the Panthers, but maybe long-term in terms of Super Bowl odds? The, the Panthers are, have been a broken team since Rule let go of Brady as the OC. That was just a bizarre move. But that they, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offense. That's a mess in this game specifically. So the number was 16 and a half. Uh, initially and on the open as well as the look ahead numbers so it was adjusted down immediately after the conclusion of week 17 under the assumption that some of these guys are going to have to sit because this is as injured of a team as there is in the NFL heading into the postseason Bruce Arians on Monday came out and said we're going to play our guys that's what he does that's Bruce Arians he hypes it up the market doesn't believe it yet um, so there have been professionals that have been teasing the Buccaneers down uh, from eight to two in a six point teaser, looking at this as sort of a free roll on their side. And so the perspective is, if all of the guys sit, the Buccaneers backups are still going to be better than this mess of a Panthers team that there is. And that number will probably close somewhere right around the field goal for Tampa Bay. But if Arians is telling the truth and these guys end up playing this number, we already saw it at 16. We know where that number is going to trend back towards. And so from a teaser, like that's becoming kind of the move for a lot of betters so far early this week is you're either going to get a number that is, is unfortunate because the guys sit, but you're at the price. It probably closes, or you're just going to get five to seven points of value here by the time this number closes. 
Yeah, maybe it might be helpful to contextualize this a little bit because while the Brown situation is something that we've literally never seen on the field before, this season has been marked with more uncertainty than any season that's ever been played in the NFL. You have injuries always add up, but with the COVID list, and as we've seen the second half of the season, kind of some uncertainty about, okay, what are we doing? What is the protocol? Is it possible to be up to date enough without getting burned? Just big picture, what's it been like to kind of follow the gambling side of things this season amidst unprecedented turmoil? Is it, is it, is, do you think that it's increased efforts? What is it real? Has it been something that has separated the wheat from the chaff, kind of like the professionals from the Saturday Warriors and the weekend Warriors? Sure. Or what has been the overall picture in terms of the ecosystem? It, it just like the bookmakers don't know the COVID news before the batters know. That's, I think, a misconception that there's like inside info being traded. The bookmakers take bets and they move off of information. And so it, it just, it turns every week into a giant race. Like I have an odd screen up all day. I have the injury feed coming in on my phone. Like I, you know what's happening and the bookmakers have the same thing too. And so it's a matter of how many sportsbook accounts do you have and determining which are the slowest to move. And from a better's perspective, if you want to act on COVID news, like you're, we saw last week with the Wentz news, it was breaking just slightly before that was made official. Like, you know what's happening. If you're looking at the odd screen, you can see the numbers going. Find the slow-moving book, get ahead of it, and then you just deal with it as it comes. So it's, it's just a big race. Um, in terms of the opening numbers that are being sent out and how things are moving throughout the week, it's all the same aside from that news that will break it and just change everything there's nothing that different but it's just it's added this element of just like racing to get the numbers that are left on the board and sort of magnified that more than it ever has been yeah from the outside and maybe this is wrong but my perception of it has been you maybe like let's say you have an ameritrade account and you trade you know every so often but you're not monitoring the market constantly you're not constantly refreshing screens this year is kind of for the public and people who do this as a hobby, they've been forced to monitor it way more closely because things can change on the drop of a dime. Do you think that that's led to more informed betters or just people who are more obsessed with consuming the product minute to minute? Uh, I, I don't know if it's been either, to be honest, because um, it, it goes both ways so many times too. Like if you had uh, a, a bet on, on the Raiders before that news broke, you're like, wow, I made a great bet. If you went the other way on the Colts when it was two and a half before they changed the rules, because you're like, this is too low, that number ended up closing north of a touchdown. So it goes both ways. I don't know if it's got people like more into it. Maybe they're following Twitter a bit more and trying to take advantage of it. But I think for, for the majority of people that just bet at like a recreational level, Maybe it's forced them to bet a little bit later in the week because they're uncertain than they might normally do. But most of those people are betting Saturday night, Sunday morning as is. So it, it's kind of from that perspective, I think it's it's kind of in the case of both. What's the thought process on what the Bucks are going to do in the long term in order to respond to this? Well, you hope that Evans and the hamstring gets healthy. Uh, that would be key. You're not getting Godwin back. So whether that's more Gronkowski being involved or whether that's 
like an emergence. We saw Grayson last week, who apparently has a lot of trust with Brady, sort of emerge in a game that surprisingly needed to matter against the New York Jets. Uh, and then you hope Fournette comes back uh, in the first round of the playoffs too, which is rumored that it could be possible. If you get those pieces in and kind of find someone that can step in to take uh, some of that load off Mike Evans and play off as a number two or number three receiver, that could be big, but we probably see like more heavy personnel at the line of scrimmage to get more tight ends involved um, and, and playing off of that from an offensive perspective. But um, it's, it's a huge hole to fill when you lose that many key guys on an offensive side that's been so dominant within the system that it's going to be tough, but they have to go down the depth chart and find, find that number two or number three guy. Cause without them, they're not making a playoff run. Yeah. And I don't see that defense being up to the same level as it was against the chiefs in last year's super bowl. I know that they can turn that in week in and week out, but do you think there's any concern because they really, if you look at the season as a whole, there really hasn't been that shining example of we're the lockdown team. That's just going to decimate this team. And Tom Brady can be a game manager because that's sort of what happened last year in the super bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you remember like last year, there was like this secondary seemed like dominant, like it was, it was a matchup disadvantage for everyone facing it. And now it's where you want to attack this box defense. This run front has been top three, the entire season defending the run, but this secondary has taken a massive step back compared to where it was last year. And so um, teams can throw on Tampa Bay and they've been throwing on them all season long. And you get into the postseason, a lot of good quarterbacks waiting <laughs> with a lot of talented offensive weapons around them too. So it's a big concern for Tampa Bay. You're right. Compared to last year, it's, it's a much different defense. It's kind of amazing too, because it's like, just when you think you've seen the last most ridiculous act from Brady, He's presented with this opportunity where he's only going to further his legend, uh, you know, throwing like some of the, he's thrown to a guy named Grayson. I think that I had never heard of uh, before last week. If, if I recall, it's kind of like he's doing this, like with a team of plumbers uh, from like the 1950s. And it's just really remarkable what he can do. And if, it's not to say that like Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl is ever a stale storyline. It's just this totally new, fresh, exciting angle. And honestly, as someone who's not the biggest Brady fan, I kind of want to see him do it because it just gets more and more absurd as he gets later and later into his forties. Let's not take away too much from performing against the jets. Let's not, let's hold on a little bit there. That was that after all was the New York jets defense. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's an important <laughs> caveat. Another good story would be Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron has been on the ultimate screw you tour. There's been some discussion this week. If voters are going to hold his uh, Pat McAfee and his holdout, appearances uh against him when it comes to that is there any reason to think that he's not going to win the mvp is there any reason to think that writers are going to revolt and try to make some sort of statement on his off the field ability or is that still where the smart money is at boy like if you're just looking at it from a numbers perspective right it makes sense but i think there's something very real to what came out yesterday with the voters because i mean rogers embarrassed the league and the protocols in a pretty big way like I know that as soon as that was posted, there was the whole, like it got made political, like everything is like, okay, well, like, but I think it was more about like, look, you're voting for the most valuable player. It's the standout guy in front of the league that's representing the players as a whole. We know what he's doing on field, but like, it's tough to ignore that two week stretch where like he was, 
he was saying some things that were really taking low blows against the league to put it nicely uh, and sort of keep the language polite. So like, I think that matters. And I think, again, it's, it's a subjective vote. Like this is hard to bet on, but it's even more difficult to speculate on. We know QBs have dominated it, but there's, there's real subjectivity among these voters that get a chance to say what happens. Yeah, there was a big dust up yesterday. A Chicago radio guy said he wasn't going to vote for him because he thought he was a jerk, even though he was the best player in the NFL. And a lot of people had a problem with that. I don't really, because I know that I know the way the sausage is made. And for every person who's going to go out and say that publicly, there's maybe six or seven who feel the same way, who just don't want the blowback. But I agree on the field. It's been really remarkable. I don't, I wasn't worried about any type of rust because, you know, he is the consummate professional. He is extraordinarily steady. What do you think his chances of getting that second Super Bowl, which he's been looking to conquer for so long are, I think that the Packers, they're going to have home field. That's a huge thing, especially as the weather gets colder. I'm looking out my window here and it's, it's snowing an insane amount. I love Rodgers in the snow, but where do you see this Packers team both on the field and what does the betting market reflect public confidence in them? So they're Super Bowl favorites this week, uh, three to one. A lot of that reflects the importance of the buy and obviously home field advantage, as you mentioned in Lambeau is huge. This team year after year continues to outperform their win expectation, which is based off of point differential, which is something that betters at the professional level really value. And the Green Bay Packers have a point differential of plus 86 points, which of all of the playoff teams in the NFC is the lowest differential. And I think surprising to a lot of folks is they've played a schedule of opponents that's right around average in the league. And so you get 13 wins out of that. This team continues to perform well and get a lot of luck and a lot of bounces in those single score games. And it's just, it's something that is forever. Like remember with Seattle, how they were always like, how is this team where they are? The Packers have quietly been that the last couple of seasons. And this year it's really sort of magnifying that. Um, it, chances are certainly good because like you go down the list of the NFC playoff teams and, and it can be said the same in the AFC, like each team has a very glaring flaw within their team. And it's not something that I'm particularly used to seeing going into a postseason without that standout team atop the standings. And like for the Packers, you can run on them all day long. And so if the weather and the conditions and all that build up as we get later into January, that defense is not equipped to keep opponents off the scoreboard. So there's going to be a lot put on Rodgers and Adams, which as a Packers fan is probably exactly what you want, but it's just a team that needs everything to go right in their favor because they don't really have a way to play off of their offense, not being as great as it has been all season. So you mentioned it's kind of unique that there's not a dominant NFC team. There's not a dominant AFC team. How have Super Bowl futures fluctuated to reflect that in comparison to previous years? Hey, it's been a mess. Um, I, I did my I do power rankings every week to come up with my numbers, and I've had nine different teams in the number one spot, and I've had wow. more teams this season than any year before above the threshold that would qualify for a top five team in the league. So it's shuffling every week, and you get into the futures market. 
And again, we've seen eight different teams as a Super Bowl favorite at some point over the course of the season. And usually that's reserved to like two or three. But you go down the list and like there's something glaring with every single playoff team. Like there's at, at some point during the season, every team has had like a lull where it's a three or four week stretch where they just look horrible or just losing to really bad teams. There's injuries. There's a clear weakness on one side of the football. It's a really weird postseason that's going to be very matchup dependent, more so than it is probably numbers dependent, like we've seen in years past. So it's going to be a lot of week-to-week handicapping to find some value within the betting markets in the postseason. Yeah, it, it feels to me like we just went through a Major League Baseball playoffs where no one expected the Atlanta Braves to be World Series champions. And it does seem to be like it will just be like you looked at what they were able to do with their pitching staff and their pitching staff matched up so well in each and every single round and performed to that level. And they walked away as World Series champions. I think that's kind of what we're going to get in the NFL, like is Josh Allen is going to decide to be the second best quarterback in football. He certainly could much like every team has glaring deficiencies. They all have things that you really like about them. And, and I think exactly. that that's kind of cool. And I think that'll actually make it uh, a, a bit more exciting and a bit more wide open, giving it kind of like a March madness feel, if you will. If you're the league, I mean, you're just loving this, like everything that with the rule changes and everything that's set up, this is exactly what the NFL wants. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but you're, you're exactly right. There's just like, there's something wrong with every team. Like you can make a case for so many different quarterbacks and so many different offensive units to make a run. It's just, it's, it's so matchup based now at this point. I wrote something about Joe Burrow back in September saying that he was the NFL's best kept secret. He is no longer a secret. Uh, The last two weeks have been historic. He's the only quarterback to throw for over 400 yards, four scores, zero interceptions in back-to-back games. More than that, he's just cool. You watch him and it's kind of like reminds me of growing up with uh, a fearless 80s quarterback. How seriously are you taking the Bengals and how seriously are the odds makers taking the Bengals at this point? Well, quite, do, the, do the Bengals get to take the referees from the Kansas City game with them throughout the postseason? Because I'll check on that's that. Make I'll a check on difference. that. It, um, it seems unlikely. <laughs> a, a traveling officiating crew would be awfully helpful, as well as those late substitutions. All four referees were switched from that game at the last second, and then you have one of the most lopsided officiated games that we've seen all season all go the way of the Bengals. So that was interesting. I'll say this about Cincinnati. Um, They're right in the middle of the market. So the market from a Super Bowl futures perspective hasn't adjusted up a ton on them because as good as Burrow has been, what really stands out from a numbers perspective is for the season, from a passing success rate perspective, the Bengals are 13th in the NFL. Where this gets interesting is they have played the easiest schedule of opposing defenses for the entire season. And so from a a betting and handicapping perspective, you always want to validate the performance against the schedule of opponents. And so for the Bengals to be average offensively, which is a hard thing to say, but when you look down to down over the course of the season, this offense has been average despite the production of Burrow. But down to down over the course of the season, it's an average rank. 
you would expect it to be a lot better against the worst schedule or the easiest schedule of opposing defenses like they have played. So an example of a team that's sort of playing off of this that you might see a little more value in relative to Cincinnati, the Bills have played the second easiest schedule of opposing defenses. For the course of the season, they've been top five in yards per play and offensive success rate the entire season. So it's a, it's a case where you kind of have to look at it as a whole and kind of handicap it out. And then you wonder again, like how good is this offense, especially when they have to step up against great defenses, but where we went back to what we were talking about just a couple minutes ago, like the matchup is going to be so important as you go week to week, because we saw what they can do against the weak secondary, like they faced in Kansas city, albeit ref assisted, but if they face a secondary that can't defend multiple wide receivers well and just have that one shutdown corner, they have a big advantage. But if they play sort of that average or better defense, then all of a sudden you look at this offense and you've seen it really slow down in some games over the course of the season. So you're not exactly thrilled about a potential first-round matchup against the New England Patriots, even if it's in Cincinnati. Well, it, that's exactly it. So we, we have to see how this week plays out because like that's going to look very different if it's the Patriots or if it's someone else. Arguably, there's no worse matchup for the Bengals to have in the first round than Belichick and that New England defense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the Bengals. The Bengals are fun. And, I mean, you make a good point, though. Like, yeah, Jamar Chase is fantastic. He's having a historic season for a rookie Maybe I'm of the mindset that those long passes, those long passing plays aren't going to be readily available in the playoffs like they are in the regular season. We'll see. I don't know, man. Burrow just seems like a winner. And, and I don't know. It's, it's been interesting because the Bengals were hot early and everybody was kind of trying to get ahead trend and saying, you know, are we sure they're not the cream of the AFC? And they kind of dropped back. And it's kind of like two explosive weeks have really changed the entire conversation. And I think going into the playoffs, I wonder how many people make the mistake or maybe it's not a mistake. They just want to ride the hot hand as opposed to, like you said, with, with, uh, with the bills, like the bills have a better body of work when it comes what to expecting long-term. So how do you make your decisions? Um, you know, someone who is interested in analytics and all that stuff, how do you balance that against, what the gut says, because uh, as a made, as a baseball manager myself, I know that there's room for both. But what, so what happens when you get in a situation where all the numbers are saying one thing, but your eye and and, and the the gut in your belly is just kind of saying, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I've been either on the bookmaking side of thing or the betting side of things at a high level for the last almost 15 years. Um, and so every week I make numbers and I evaluate that against the market, but it's, it's just a really a game by game basis. Like I wish there was one answer where it's like, okay, here's uh, one, two, three reasons why I'm, why I'm going with the gut or one, two, three, why I'm neglecting the number, but it's, it's just not, you just have to go with it. And I, like I was saying, like this playoff postseason is going to be just so matchup dependent within the game because like every team has something and you can find a number or an angle that just doesn't, doesn't fit and doesn't make sense when compared to the schedule. So it's, it's a tricky one going into this postseason. but it's, I wish there was a better answer, but it's just, that's part of handicapping. You always have to evaluate it and you always have to see what the market posts and you always have to figure out if the price is, is worth taking at the number you're looking at. 
Hey, what do dopes like me who don't understand all that go in, all that goes into making a number? What do you think our biggest misconception is in terms of the bookmaking side? I say that the reaction to the week prior is always overvalued more by the better than it is by the bookmaker. And when it comes to the NFL, it's the one sport where the general betting public as a whole can influence the movement of a number over the course of the week. Usually that influence or opinion is fueled by recent results in the last week. And so that that's the biggest difference when it comes to it. You'll see two, three point swings because the team looked really good on Sunday when the line opens Monday morning. But like, did that team really improve that much that it warrants that much of a movement? Or is this just the perception that's being played off of that? So I think that's really important. And bookmakers will value long-term performance more than betters will, while the betters like to value the short-term result. What's it been like for you personally? Because, I mean, I, I grew up wagering uh, with a person who should not be named in a back alley where I would uh, go and deliver my $600 I couldn't afford to lose as the explosion of interest the industry is booming. There's no question. Yeah, it, the accessibility, it's just like becoming a common thing. It's, it's, it's accepted. What's that been like for you as someone who is deeply rooted in that world uh, as it's exploded kind of the masses in the last maybe five years? And it's just going up on a curve that's exponential right now. What's, what's it been like for you personally to, to monitor that? It's, I mean, it's exciting. There's no question. I started in the back room of an office in the Dominican Republic. Uh, when I was 18 years old and I was there for three years and then I ended up working for one of the largest operations in the Caribbean out of the Bahamas setting NFL odds for five years so like I very much come from that that back alley world that you were referring to the offshore world the online world prior to any legalization and so a lot of this explosion for me has been experienced as a better and based on how much free money and, and money's never free. People are going to hear that. What, but in terms of like the bonuses, the promotional money, the free bets, the risk-free bets, the match bets that sports books are offering. There's such a huge spend to acquire customers by all of these sports books that it's probably the most advantageous time as a better to either build a bankroll very easily and very quickly that you can use to bet on sports or just take advantage of all of this spend that's being done by the sports books to add some more money to your bank account that's not coming from sweating out games for eight hours on a Sunday. So it, it's exciting from that perspective as a better. And I'm not sure it's, it's necessarily shared by everyone. I think everyone's valuing the access and just being able to bet and not worrying about the payments, which is all great, but there's just, there's so much opportunity right now to take advantage of all of this spend and this land grab that it's, um, it's unlike anything we've seen in, in the couple decades that I've been embedding. In closing here, what, uh, what do you like most about your job? I know that's just a very simple, broad question, but I like to ask it to people who have gigs that they get to do something that they love because it's something that I'm lucky enough to have uh, in my life. 
what really thrills you after all these years when it comes to examining a number and, and formulating thoughts on it? It's actually not even necessarily related to doing any of it. It's the fact that the alignment of what I think about and what I enjoy thinking about, whether I'm working or not, is level across the board. And so if it's, if it's a Monday morning and I'm in the truck with the wife driving to the store or doing anything, like I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about when I'm working. So it's always the same because it's what I want to think about and it's what I enjoy doing. And I think it's a pretty fortunate spot that I'm grateful to be in where that's, that's always the same. And so it's, it's a lot of fun for me that it's just sort of a lifestyle that turns into work that you get to live through. And it's not necessarily a rigid, you start at this hour, you go home at this hour. It's just everyday life that you're living. And, and to be able to be in that situation where there's, uh, not necessarily the stresses that other people might be in from the work and the job that they it, it's just a, it's a very fortunate spot to be in so that's um absolutely what i enjoy most that's adam chernoff he his story started in a back room at 18 in the dominican republic and had a happy ending which is which is a rarity we love to see that he writes for covers.com he has a daily podcast the simple handicap thanks so much for joining me absolutely it was it was a dress shop a, a high-end ladies dress shop that house servers, but that's probably a story for another podcast. No, I mean, I got a few minutes. I'd like to hear, uh, I, just give me, a, give me your best one in, uh, in a minute or two of uh, the hijinks that happened there. No, I, and so I, I was just, again, it was the right place at the right time. And um, I, I left home at a young age with the idea to make a living betting on sports. And it took me from a very small town in Saskatchewan, Canada, where I grew up to a one-way ticket for money I saved up to get to the Dominican Republic and just was lucky to meet the right people and completely BS my way into a, a very junior role. And that first day of work was going to a, a high-end women's clothing store. And in the back room, there was a door that was blended into the wall and it opened and inside there were the servers for the online gaming website. And there were computers with the odd software installed on it. And so it was, it was sit down and let's get to work. And it was from that point on for the next five and a half years, it was learning how to set numbers. It was going through like the crash course of how to move games, take bets. And we started booking. It was, it was a brand new place that was a spinoff of a lottery company. We started booking about 5,000 to a thousand or 500 to a thousand a day, like nothing. And by the time I left, we were doing several million a month. And so it grew from just this website that was a spinoff of a lottery to 35 different retail locations, uh, a, a customer base of a few thousand people online. It was, it was massive. And it was, it was fun to learn along the way. And just, I made so many mistakes that cost so much money, but was fortunate to learn from it and know how to do it better. And it was just, it was all just good timing and good luck along the way to be in that spot. So it was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of stories within it, but, that was that was how we got to where we are today. Yeah, that uh, that edge makes you feel alive, uh, and it's the reason why so many people love what they're doing. Thanks again. Yep. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.